0: Good morning, Springbrook. It's great to see you today. Thanks for coming out and lifting our God's name on high. I have a PG-13 message today. That's not make all, all parents know that. Um, and it's really not that bad. But, <laughs> but this is a, a, a delicate subject, talking about a sexual relationship in marriage, and there's a lot of pain around this topic in terms of your past experiences or what you might be experiencing now. Maybe uh, your husband or wife isn't working on the marriage anymore, and so you get frustrated as you listen uh, to something like this. So I just want to pray for you. Dear Lord, I pray you be with people, uh, single people, uh, what are people, uh, people who are in tough situations or have had tough uh, tough seasons in their life that really impacts uh, their sexual lives? And I just pray that you would guide them as we go throughout this message and that they would learn about what a healthy relationship looks with and looks like. In Christ's name, amen. Now, this is really surprising. But the amount of times couples have sex in a year has dropped. Back in 1990, it was 65 times a year. In 2014, it was 56 times a year. Radical change. And you have the 20-somethings. They're having less sex than anyone. Now, the seniors are, are pulling us all up because they went from, uh, let's see, 9.6 to 11 times. So lead the way. Lead the way. <laughs> Why is that? Now, some people maybe was porn or something of that nature, but, you know, they, Got all the information from these people and the people who are engaged in porn. Uh, So we're sexually. Of course, um, porn is never a good thing. We'll talk about that later. But you know what I think it is? Is that we have been exposed to so much entertainment. Right? I mean, you got your smartphone. You could sit there for hours just watching Facebook or reading a book or whatever, right? And on Facebook you have instant communication. You put something up there and you watch for how many likes you're going to get or whatever, you know. Uh, that, that's interesting as well. And Twitter and Snapchat and all these different things. Uh, you just basically have to have some type of computer. And we can pretty much do anything. Uh watch any movies that we want. And I really think that some people have fallen into the trap that sex is too much work. That it's not worth it. For some reason they got off track in terms of what a healthy sex life is and Yeah, a lot of older people don't even have sex. I mean, that part of their marriage is gone. Most likely because they didn't understand sex when they got married. What happens is uh, sexual energy, whatever, uh, sexual relationships peak at about one year. And then they start to go down slightly, and you can understand why when you have kids, right? <laughs> kids takes so much energy and so much time, usually those discretionary things like sex kind of fall to the background. And that's just life. But friends, we need to realize that sex is this tremendous gift that we've been given by God. And we need to celebrate it and learn how to love our spouse. Well, God created sex. We all need to remember that. We look at our sex-saturated society. Uh, of course, people have uh, misused sex in so many different ways. What are the purposes of sex? Well, the first is unity. Talk about the one flesh. That's a spiritual, or excuse me, a physical uh, touch. Uh, you also have a uh, emotional connection and a physical connection, and a spiritual connection. So, it speaks of the unity to marriage and pleasure. Yeah, I mean, God, He just didn't give us sex for procreation. (laughs) He gave it as a way that we can enjoy the unique relationship that a married couple has. Let's read from Song of Solomon. This is one of my favorite books back in junior high. That's in the Bible? (laughs) Holy cow. How beautiful are your feet and sandals, O noble daughter. Your rounded thighs are like jewels the work of a master hand. Your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is a heap of wheat encircled with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns. Twins of a gazelle. Alright. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got to read the Song of Solomon if you haven't read it. It's just a beautiful celebration of Solomon, King Solomon and his lover. And uh, it's just is very encouraging. And really gives you the impression, a lot of people think that God hates sex and those type of things. No, no. He created it. And as long as we keep it in the fireplace, it's great. But once you take it out of the fireplace, the fire, you're going to get burned when you use uh, sexual relationship outside of marriage. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 4, this is what Paul writes, The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise a wife to her husband. Sounds like prison. (laughs) And, hey, marriage is not a prison. I didn't say that. Okay? All right. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Now, what this is telling us is that if you marry someone... Uh, you are going to meet their needs. And that means their sexual needs as well, because, again, they've chosen you and not other people. And so, prayerfully, you're the only person they're going to have sex with. But it's just interesting how it's put. I don't have authority over my body, uh, but the wife does. And the husband doesn't have authority over his body, because the wife does. And uh, it's a command. Basically, it's saying you need to meet the needs of your spouse sexually. That's your responsibility in marriage. That's why God put it together in this way. In 1 Corinthians 7, 5, Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time. That you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self control. So, <laughs> you ladies might go home today and say I'm starting a six month prayer, intentional. <laughs> six months of prayer. So, you know, it's in the Bible. <laughs> Well, of course, that's not the idea. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Well, they speak about sex in the Bible. It's a very powerful controller. There's great motivation for it, as we see. And we've always got to be careful. So that's why it's so important that a couple have a healthy sex life. Because if they don't have a healthy sex life, maybe other parts of their marriage aren't working, there's more of a tendency to look at other places for their needs to be met. Now, that's not a rationale for sin, but there are studies that if you're really meeting the needs of your spouse, uh, they will stay faithful to you. Uh, Not a sure thing, but uh, certainly if your needs are being met, there's no Reason to look anyplace else. (laughs) Back in junior high, uh, this isn't the church library, not this version, it's a much older version. And I saw that and I said, wow, that sounds really interesting. (laughs) Can't believe it's in the church library. (laughs) So I opened it up and I was extremely disappointed. The point of the book was, is that women need affirmation. They need encouragement. They need you to love them. So foreplay doesn't start in the bedroom, it starts in the kitchen. The way you treat your wife at that particular time, I mean, in terms of how you're caring for her and serving her and that type of thing, and. I guess we've all been in the position where, say, hey, honey, what about tonight? And, you've got to be kidding! After the way you treated me today, what'd I do? <laughs> and she'll tell you. Yeah, she'll tell you. It's because guys, you know, sex is just like, they got a one-track mind. You know, they got a goal. They know what they want to do. Right? But women are totally different. In fact, now, men, you are the leader of the home, and you're the leader of the sex life that you share. Now, the red pathway signifies the way a woman wants to experience sex. She wants to take the scenic tours, less about the event than the process you go through. And guys are always taking shortcuts because they want to feel satisfied. And they say, do we really have to do all this? Do I really have to be nice to you during the day? That kind of thing. They're always taking shortcuts. And friends, that is one of the main problems problems in marriages today. The way a guy is wired and the way a, a woman is wired. Of course, it's beautiful because God made it. But sometimes it's frustrating to get on the same page. Now I'm sharing a lot from Clifford and Joyce Penner. Their work. Uh, they said the key finding that we have discovered in these 20 years of working as sexual therapists is that the man, the men, who make the difference, and it is the woman who keep it interesting. Now think about that one for a while. Right? It's the men who make the difference, and it's the woman who keep it interesting. So, the man is sometimes driven by his sexuality, so he'll probably invite uh, his wife into that a type of encounter more than maybe a woman would. Uh, but, it's all how he approaches that encounter that makes all the difference in the world. Ephesians five twenty five. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Remember, we've talked this is six uh, message on marriage, and we're to be the leaders, guys, servant leaders. We're to act like Jesus Christ did for the church. He gave. He is very life. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And it goes back to selfishness, right? The main thing we struggle with in marriage. But guys, you are called to lead. And as you enter that particular encounter, you want to be uh, very sensitive. You see in Ephesians 5:28 through 31 in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Remember we talked about Christ and the church and how marriage is an analogy of that. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Again, from a Genesis. So, guys, I'm about to give you the secret to a great marital relationship. Hey, ready? Okay. You are to be a servant leader in the relationship and your top priority is satisfying your wife's needs. The top priority is to satisfy your wife's needs. Really? Yeah. Really. (laughs) Right? I mean, we're wired so, so differently, but that's why, when women walk into the encounter, they're bringing the whole day uh, with them, right? And they feel a certain way or don't feel a certain way, and and we're just there. Okay, let's let's get it done. And uh, there's miscommunication or no communication at all about the relationship and what's happening in it and how to get better. So, friends, men especially. You need to talk to your wives about your sex life. And, you know, guys are a little afraid of that, kind of like saying, well, what if she tells me I'm doing something wrong? You know, I mean, it's just sex. (laughs) You have to realize that sex is just not like eating and drinking, like people say in our culture. Sex is a deep, symbolic Powerful unity between a man and a wife. And that's why it works best, because of the way men are wired, always trying to take a shortcut. It works best when the man is asking the wife, is there anything I can do to you know, satisfy you more in our relationship? Now, sometimes that question never gets asked in marriages they just go through the routine and they don't develop their relationship <laughs> i was thinking about some Brian who's getting married next month up in Michigan <laughs> what the what the um, survey says is that it takes most couples 10 years to have a satisfying relationship 10 Ten years? What are you talking about? It's such an easy... I mean, ten years? You've got to be kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. Sometimes it takes couple, couples 20 years. 20 years. Because you see, sexuality is complicated. It's very complicated, especially when you put it in, you know, an orb of, of the, the marriage. Yeah. So you need to talk to your wife and say, How can I satisfy you more than anything I can do to make it more pleasurable for you? And so what happens then when you start to talk that way, your wife is going to start to become more open to you. And the more you care for her, the more you serve her, the more she'll be. Open sexually. You've got to romance your wife. During this series, I bought a card for my wife and I put it on the table, and she saw it first before I filled it out. But, <laughs> oh, yeah, she loved it. And I also uh, memorized a song for her. I'd like to do that song for you at this time. Ready? I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Girl, you just don't realize what you do to me. All right. (laughs) And this whole marriage series, you know, I used to sing. (laughs) Okay you got to stop the feeling, man. But again, I used to sing to her a lot, and I just got out of the habit, and so I said, I'm going to sing. I'm going to keep memorizing songs to sing to her because that means so much to her. Because it shows that I really care that I took extra time. And it doesn't have to be singing songs. It can be a lot of different things, but guys, remember romance. How you doing in that area? was the last time you... Took your wife out on a date night. And really, it should be every week. And sometimes you go to nice places as you have the resources. But you've got to continue to romance your wife. Just look back at the time of courting and do those things again. And again, that's going to keep your wife very interested in you and in how you love her. So... This is what a man does. He nourishes and cherishes his wife, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of the body. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother and father and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Again, sex is an art. That's why people have a more satisfying relationship after 10 years, 20 years, I think people say the 50s are the best years because <laughs> they have time, right? Uh, but the point is, it's not just, okay, let's do it. I mean, you look at movies and things of that nature. Have you ever seen a movie with like uh, James Bond and the woman says, hey, could you close that curtain over there? Uh, could you, uh, it's a little cold in here. Is there anything you can do about that? Uh, yeah, just give me a second here. <laughs> now that's reality, right? Atmosphere is everything to women. And to men it's like, whatever. So, that's why it's so important that we need the power of God to satisfy our wives and do things we normally wouldn't do. To create this foreplay of affection. There's a, a world around you and your wife and The more you care for her, the more you love her, the more you do things for her, you give her oxygen. That helps her breathe and prepares her for a sexual relationship. But if you're not treating her right, she's gagging, right, sexually. You wonder, what's the problem? Well, maybe you're the problem. I know we are all to some degree. Ephesians 5.31 for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Okay. So, men have a goal orientation, and women have a process orientation. They're interested in every aspect of the encounter, and they want to feel loved, and they want to be nourished and cherished, uh, where the man just has a goal. Well, let's get this done. All right? And, again, we're so different. This is why you men, you're called the leadership because you're the one who wants it so much. right? <laughs> right? You're called the leadership in the marriage to talk to your wife. And, again, some men say, well, you know, she might criticize me. She's not criticizing you because you think it's some performance that you can do that every man learns just naturally. Not so. Not so. You have to learn that you need to continue to meet your needs and you need to talk about your sexual relationship. When was the last time you had a conversation about your sexual relationship? I mean, it's really strange. You have these two people who come together and are married and open to one another, but they never talk about the sexual relationship. Usually it's fear. woman says, well, if I say something... I you don't know, think that he's not what he thinks he is. Uh, uh, no, you have to say things. Men again, I give you the permission and ask you to ask your wives to uh you know, what can I do to what can I do to improve? <laughs> what can I do to satisfy your needs? So wives, you can use that. Pastor Dan said it, you know, you have to do it. <laughs> You gotta talk about it. Really? And you know the more you talk about it, the more you refine it. Like a, a well-made wine over years. It, it, it just matures slowly and there's different times in it. So again, then we know that women are complex. And sometimes we just opt out of those activities that frustrate her. Sometimes the woman just gives up and she does it, but she's not getting any type of satisfaction out of it. Many times they are Difficult times during a marriage. So, your sex life is, you know, kind of like this. When the kids come along, all that type of thing. So, women process orientation. Men process orientation. So, the idea is that the man has to become Christ to her. And he has to serve her needs. And friends, that's the key. If you go in to the encounter and say, My needs are not important. But my wife's needs are the most important. Don't worry, you'll get your needs met. (laughs) You just gotta continue to think, okay, how can we make this, uh, you know, more meaningful? And that's why God intended it that way. The truth is, as a husband moves in the direction of a wife's natural tendencies, her heart opens up to him and her sexual attraction to him. Increases. So, guys, if you want to turn on your wife, what you do is you follow her lead. And you learn about her by asking questions. And, and you're like this or like that. I mean, you're in a marriage. And if you're living, it's a sexual relationship, and that's just foolish not to talk about, right? It's like, like talking about finances. It's a critical thing. And I would really challenge you to start that particular conversation. The role of a woman, and this may sound fair for sure, is to take. So men make the difference and women keep it it interesting. They keep it interesting by learning to take sexually. When 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 we talk about taking, we're talking about taking in. What are we taking in? Well, a woman needs to learn how to enjoy your touch. Yeah. You see, women are so complex. I mean, their sexual desires are very, very sophisticated uh, part of the brain. And our sex drive you know, is way back here. <laughs> right. And so, men, you need to slow it down. And you need to talk about it, and you just need to say, Hey, we can do better at this. Maybe you're at a point in your marriage where it's just really difficult. Now well, you can wait to talk about it, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever your best judgment is. Some of you need to see a counselor. Yeah, no doubt. It can be of help to you. Uh to enjoy pleasure, to allow arousal as that pleasure's experience, because the natural outcome of pleasure is arousal. To be able to pursue passion together in such a way that ultimate connection is made between the two of you. You know what really gets men excited? When they satisfy their wife. Ladies, you might not think that, but it's really true. The more engaged you are, the more meaningful and fun it is for us. Because that's really a turn on seeing if you're satisfying your wife. And uh, this is so important. It's so sad in the world that people don't understand these things. Because it's critical for the marital relationship. Song of Solomon 7, 1 through 2. How beautiful are your feet in sandals, O noble daughter. Your rounded thighs are like jewels. The work of a master hand. Your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is a heap of wheat encircled with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are pools in Heshbon by the gate of Beth-Ribbim. Your nose is like a tower of Lebanon. I don't know about that. Maybe they liked big noses back then. I am not sure. Your nose is like a tower of Lebanon, which looks toward Damascus. Your head crowns you like Carmel, and your flowing locks are like purple. A king is held captive in the tresses. How beautiful and pleasant you are, O loved one, with all your delights. Your stature is like a palm tree, and your breasts are like... It's clusters. I say I will climb the palm tree and lay hold of its fruit. Oh, may your breasts be like clusters on the vine, and the scent of your breath like apples, and your mouth like the best wine. It goes down smoothly for my beloved, gliding over lips and teeth. I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. What a beautiful, Beautiful poetry. And you've got to read the Song of Solomon if you haven't. Especially you guys. Because that is Solomon's desire. Is to meet the needs of his lover. Yeah. I'll pray for you guys. Pray for myself. It's complicated. But it's going to stay complicated until you open up about it. And then your first, your first duty is... Is to serve, to love your wife, to take care of all her needs. And that's one way you unopen the lock. <laughs> well, let's pray. Dearly Father, thank you for our sexuality. Of course, Lord, in this world we see it being misused in so many ways, but it's so painful that many, most marriages, I think, struggle in this area. And that's why it takes 10 or 20 years. Uh, to get it down. So, Lord, I pray you be with all of us as we seek to create more intimacy in our marriage. And we love you so much. In Christ's name, amen.